Hello, sister. This is Denise with Far Above Podcast. I am so glad you're joining us today. I have with me Billy Burley, and we are going to be talking about what is truth and spiritual warfare. Um, Right up front, we just want to mention to you that we are not trained therapists. Um, These are just really what the Lord, these thoughts are what the Lord has taught us about spiritual warfare. And we always encourage you listener to seek the word and to be a Berean and to study and ask the Lord to show you um, what it is he wants to teach you about spiritual warfare and the truth of God's word. So we are excited about what the Lord is going to share with, with you today. And as we humbly ask the Holy Spirit to partner with us in this conversation. We are going to grow and learn together. So, Billy, so good to see you again. How are you? I am doing really good. It's another wonderful day here in Twin Falls, and uh, I'm excited to be here to speak about my experience having been in the battle, significantly been in the battle, because I'm still in the battle today. But having been in the battle and having confusing thoughts and actually taking those confusing thoughts as my own thoughts, believing that they were truth and acting on them and actually transitioning from, transitioning from being male to presenting as a female for seven years and then giving my life to Christ, having him teach me. Uh, his word, the truth about spiritual warfare, and um, take me on a road of recovery and actually renewal and transitioning back to mail. I've learned so much about spiritual warfare because, Denise, I got to share that when I was in counseling, before I actually transitioned uh, to presenting as a woman, I wanted to know what was wrong with me. I had that reoccurring thought. God made a mistake. I was a girl. And I didn't know where it was coming from. I did my research. And I I couldn't figure it out. So I believed the lie. And I went down the road of transitioning. It wasn't until after I gave my life to Christ. He brought me into a small group study on spiritual warfare. And... I learned what the truth was, and I also learned that not all of my thoughts are my thoughts, and there's actually examples within the Bible of this in many, many, many places throughout the Bible, and we're going to touch on those today, but uh, it's exciting to be here and to actually share my experience and what I've learned with you and, and with your listeners. Yes, it is exciting, and I love listening to what you're going to share about the journey that God has brought you through and learning about the truth and then how to fight and counteract um, the lies with truth and coming into your identity and then your inheritance. Because I have a journey where I went through that too. It may not be exactly the same, but you know, it starts with a lie. And like you said, it's either from our own flesh, the devil or the world but somehow it takes root if we don't counteract it with the truth of God's word and learn how to fight the battle in spiritual warfare 
and the and the um, armor and everything that God has given us, we're not powerless. I love how the Father has given us all we need for this life in Christ. Yes, to defeat the enemy. And one of the big verses that is um, the Lord has spoken to me about is it's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony that we defeat the enemy. And our testimony is so important. And sometimes in spiritual warfare, in prayer or declaring truth, it's verbally saying out loud um, what our identity is, what our inheritance is, and our testimony that we belong to Christ and plead the blood of Jesus over us. I mean, this is all stuff that I have learned small over time, just kind of from one trial to another, that's where I really sought the Lord in prayer and fasting and, and seeking um, how, to, how to win the battle. Uh, spiritual warfare is something that I believe every believer needs to understand. And also under that umbrella is how to fight the battle with truth and knowing your identity is the foundation. Yes. Absolutely. And knowing our identity is so crucial because I'll get into it, but that was the second attack that came on to me. Because in the first attack, it was the thought that God made a mistake. I was a girl. I got into scripture and I learned the truth on that. I overcame in that battle. And so the adversary actually withdrew for a period of time and then came at me again. And he actually attacked me with uh, belittling thoughts like, you're no good. You're abomination. Mm -hmm. uh, you're so cut up and scarred that um, you're not even a man anymore. I had such condemning thoughts that came into my mind. And even though I was studying the word, I didn't know who I, who I was or mm -hmm. whose I was as well. I definitely want to get into that. But first off, Denise, to start off with, what is spiritual warfare? What What is it? And what I'd like to share on that, if you believe in science, you can look up super string theory. And with super string theory, it actually indicates, shows us that there's about, uh, I say about, because right now it's indicating there's 10 dimensions to our reality. We only have access to four of those dimensions, three spatial and one time. And so that is science saying that. And then if you look, you love stories, you love hearing about people's stories. If you look up and do some research about near-death experiences, we hear these very well-documented stories about people actually dying on the operating table. And their soul, their spirit actually goes to the top of the uh, operating room and they're observing the surgeons and what they're doing to revive their body because they're actually outside of their body looking down. And um, then the surgeons do resuscitate the person and the person actually when they come out of anesthesia later, they actually share in detail what the surgeons did and the mistakes they did to bring them back. And it's so well documented that even surgeons had to take a step back and, and say, this person was actually there and watching what we were doing, but they weren't there because their body was, their heart had stopped beating. Mm -hmm. 
And a great reference for that is uh, uh, Pastor John Burke, who is a pastor, I believe in Austin, with Gateway Church. He has written a book uh, called Imagine Heaven. And um, he has done a meta study on that. And, and that is a good book to actually look at, get maybe an idea. There is a spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. There's a spiritual realm around us. We can't see it. We don't have access to it. And there's things in this realm. There are uh, demons and there's fallen angels and they want to do harm to us. And um, the Bible actually talks about this, uh, Denise. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read just a little bit. Yes, go right ahead. Uh, so actually in Revelations uh, chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, and it says, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and, be, uh, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations no more till a thousand years um, have been fulfilled. That verse right there tells us that Satan is presently deceiving the nations. He's at work right now in deceiving the nations. And with that, uh, there's somebody that I've listened to on YouTube. Uh, and she, she has a fiery personality and she's really on fire with the Holy Spirit. Her name is uh, Priscilla Shire. And she did a study on spiritual warfare as well. And, and what she said, I, I just want to quote her mm -hmm. uh, to actually paint a better picture of this. Everything that occurs in the visible, physical world is directly connected to the wrestling match being waged in the invisible spiritual world. She continues, the effects of the war going on in the unseen world reveal themselves in our strained and damaged relationships, emotional instability, mental fatigue, physical exhaustion, many other areas of life. Many of us feel pinned down by anger, unforgiveness, pride, com uh, comparisons, insecurity, discord, fear, and the list goes on. But the overarching primary nemesis behind all of these outcomes is the devil himself. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful statement. It is a powerful statement. And someone had, and I love Priscilla Shire. She has a wonderful identity study called Defined that was the first study I had done on identity. I had been listening and learning from different pastors, but that was the first study that really opened my eyes into my identity. Ephesians 2, like was just her platform. Um, but the other quote that I've heard other people say, and I, I don't know who the author of this quote is, but the enemy, if he cannot attack God, who he will attack is the image of God. And so, you know, he is powerless to attack the father, but we as his image is his target. We're his targets. And so just like you have had, had that lie that was watered, whether it was through your own thoughts or the other circumstances that you mentioned in the past, 
um, when you shared your testimony about not being accepted by people. I mean, the enemy, you know, it talks about in the word that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So we are not battling against each other in humanity, but we are wrestling against principalities and rulers of darkness. And so the enemy can use even each other to affect one another, like those children said those things to you, like the children that, that you know, bullied me. And it was really the enemy who was, who was my enemy. Those it kids, is. pawns, right? We, they were just tools. But knowing that truth now, I did not understand as a child. Um, and so then I believe, okay, well, you know, there is something wrong with me, or I don't belong, or whatever it is that the enemy chooses to use, because each one of us, he knows how to attack, but he's been watching humanity since the garden. So he knows that we are individuals and have different weaknesses, but by our actions and behaviors and different things, he studies and he knows how to reach each one of us. But the, the one thing that is prevalent is that how to fight the battle, we all have the same tools. Um, and then usually when you talk to people, like when I did a study with young people, we all might've had different words that we use, but when we broke down what it all, the, the common thread was, we weren't good enough. Um, we were not accepted. And it goes back to those things that we learned, which is our acceptance, security, and significance. The enemy knows that that is how God desired, he, he built in that into us. And so I think he uses those things to um, send darts into our, our minds, our hearts, our beliefs. So if you don't have a foundation of who you are and whose you are, and then the weapons to fight that with, how many of us believers have gone through years and years of living as a child of God, not knowing the truth and now coming to that realization like me, you know, and Absolutely. even you, it wasn't until, you know, two years ago or so that I'd come into maybe three at the most. And that the enemy is like, great. They don't know the truth. They don't know how to fight this. So they are my target, you know? And our children are too. No, very much so because you asked in and and there how many believers have have been the targets, and the answer to that is all of us, mm -hmm. and not just all of us believers, but all of the all of the unbelievers as well. And and I can include myself in that category because at one point I wasn't a believer. Every single person that is alive is in this spiritual battle. The reason being is because the adversary, it's as though the adversary has somebody, and I don't know this, I, I, it is though the adversary has somebody specifically assigned to attack me and you, okay. and you the listener. <laughs> and they've watched us all of our lives ever since we were a kid. And you're right, because the adversary shoots these fiery darts with such precision. And the reason why that he can shoot them with such precision is that he's been observing us. And in some respect, I believe the adversary knows me better than I know myself. Yeah. I don't believe the adversary can know our thoughts. I definitely don't believe that because 
actually it's and uh, revealed to us in, in the bible daniel chapter 2 when nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he actually challenges his his uh counsel that actually um, provides wisdom and 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 uh guidance and counseling to him for ruling he challenged his counsel um i need you to interpret my dream and they said oh wise king i share your dream with us and we'll do that nebuchadnezzar said no so that you can prove to me show me that you are authentic and you're the real deal not only do you need to interpret my dream you need to tell me my dream <laughs> and those counselors said there's nobody on earth that can do that daniel stepped forward and said king that those guys are right but i serve a god in heaven who can do this give me a little bit of time to go and pray and talk with him and um give me an opportunity nebuchadnezzar says yes daniel and uh his his three buddies they go and they fast and they pray and a little while along later daniel actually comes back and shares nebuchadnezzar's dream with him and the interpretation of the dream the adversary can give us thoughts and at that particular moment, he may realize what uh, that thought is because he just gave it to us and he can observe us. And even my mom can look at me and listen to me and knows she knows how I am. Denise, I got to share, I'm 56 years old. And uh, when I call my mom, she's my mom and she knows me so well that all I have to do is say hello. And by that one word she knows if i'm sick or well if i'm up or down or or that one word shares so much information to my mom immediately she knows how i'm doing the adversary in observing us knows exactly how we're doing and so the bible actually reveals to us that our thoughts can come ultimately, ultimately from God, ourselves and the devil. And like you shared and I shared on the past video, those kids would pick on me. Well, you know, the adversary can give those kids a thought to pick on me and what names to call me. Okay. And when I was in the battle and I was actually realizing that I was in a battle, I actually had two different occasions for which I had a direct frontal assault from the adversary. And I'll share one of those uh, with you. So my wife and I, we are in a park in uh, Lompoc, California, and I have a speech impediment and I still do have a little bit of a lisp. So... We were in the park and then this kid stopped playing on the playground to come pet our dog and to talk with us. And he must've been, I think maybe around 11 years old. And uh, we were talking. And after talking a little bit, Denise, he quit petting my dog and he looked me directly in the eye and he says, why do you say your S is funny? Now, mind you, I had to go through speech therapy when I was a kid, and the kids used to pick on me, and that usually sent me spiraling downward. That was just about three years ago. Nobody over about a 30, 35 plus year period has ever commented anything on my language or my speech. But that little guy looked me directly in the eye 
and he nailed the problem that I had when I was a kid that sent me spiraling. Mm. Where did that kid get that thought to speak to me and to look me directly in the eye and say that? After a period of time, I realized exactly where it was from, and that was from the adversary. Mm -hmm. Isn't it amazing that, you know, I thought when I accepted Christ, or I accepted Christ as a little girl, but it wasn't until I was walking with him in my 20s, <clears throat> early 20s, I thought, okay, he's going to be Lord of my life, and now everything's going to be okay all my issues, all the things that he knows are my struggles and my triggers, I thought, oh, that'll be fixed. You know, I'm going to walk in this new wonderful life. Um, and, you know, as I have worked through a lot of issues personally, um, I have been set free from some, but I still have others, right? <clears throat> And now that I'm learning all these things and um, working through this, it may not be immediately that I notice when I've been triggered and that thought that I'll have that's been my constant, uh, it's almost like a familiar spirit kind of thought, you know, where it's like, that's been the thought that I've had for years and years that'll take me, like you said, spiraling down. Um <clears throat> Now, I'm not, like I said, it's not immediate, but usually a little while after I'll be able to see, oh, that's the thing that I always seem to go back to. That's the thing that makes me um, question my God, question me and my identity. Um, so, you know, we as believers, and, and I, I'm just going to say that I think it's important to talk about this and to share with each other because then when you bring that issue to the light, um, that seems like the power of the enemy is broken in that area versus keeping it to yourself and trying to deal with it and process it in isolation and alone. Maybe it's because you're, you feel shame or fear. There have been times where I have something happen to me that spiritually um, an attack that is not something that I would um, have done to myself or thought or whatever, because it's not my thought, but I'm shamed. I'm shamed in my mind. So I don't want to tell anybody about it, anybody about it. Um, and I think there is freedom in having someone safe to talk about. I mean, I've gone to my pastor's house and confessed to my pastor and his wife. I have this thought and it keeps coming back to me. And, you know, it took a while, prayer and, and fighting in the truth and knowing, okay, what was it that caused that one trigger? What, what lie am I believing that is walking me towards believing that thought that wasn't mine or that, you know, so there's so much to that. And I think it's a, it's a long journey but it's something that you can grow in and develop in. And we're on the onion peel plan, Billy. So, you know, we're still being peeled and healed. <laughs> we are, we are. 
we are very much uh, being pilled, uh, Denise, because when I was a kid, I actually had that thought come into my mind. God made a mistake. I'm a girl. And I was so ashamed of it. I never did tell anybody. Well, I did tell somebody about 15 years later mm-hmm. about that thought. I shared that thought with somebody else 15 years later. And the adversary had all that time to actually uh, to put his thoughts into my mind and thoroughly confuse me. And, you know, as you were speaking, a story came to my mind um, about that because the adversary does put thoughts in our minds. And, and I'll share scripture with you uh, in just a moment um, with examples about that. But I heard a story. I, I think it was a pastor that that was sharing this story um, that there was a, a believer. He uh, was in a position where he needed a office administrator, a secretary. And uh, he got a new secretary that was very appealing, very attractive to him. And he was happily married and he had children. And these lustful thoughts were coming into his mind. He wasn't battling with these uh, before, but all of a sudden, he was trying to reject the thoughts, but the thoughts kept coming into his mind. So he knew of a another man in the office who was also a believer, somebody he could talk to and confide in. And he shared with this man, look, I need, I need you to hold me accountable. This is what's going on in my mind. Um, you know, I got a new secretary and I am getting just all of these lustful thoughts um, coming into my mind. I need you to ask me uh, often uh, how I'm doing, how I'm uh, taking these thoughts captives and hold me accountable uh, in integrity and good character, to be a man of integrity and good character. So his friend did that. And uh, a few days later, his friend came to the man and said, okay, uh, how are you doing? You know, uh, you share with me what thoughts you're having. The guy said, you know, after I shared with you about the battle that was going on my mind, it's gone. Hmm. So sometimes just by sharing, sharing those thoughts, bringing them to the light and praying about them. And uh, is is a way of actually exposing the lie and taking the thought captive. So, Denise, we've I uh, shared a little bit about thoughts. And one of the things that I did when I first was on this journey was I actually looked up where do thoughts come from. I, I actually did many searches on the Internet and I found a lot of secular articles on this. And I found that they, the secular world, actually have many, many different thoughts, many different theories about where thoughts come from. And it's really quite interesting because some of them are are, are tracking uh, pretty well and some of them are very far reaching. And some of them actually say our thoughts come from our childhood, our thoughts come from past experiences. And uh, in a way that may be true because we have battles, we have situations that may come from our subconscious. The Bible actually says our thoughts can come from our God, ourselves, and the devil. So really, where are these examples? Let me just give a few. And so in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 21 through 23, Jesus is actually speaking to his disciples 
and um, he's sharing with him that they're gonna he's gonna have to die. He he's gonna be crucified. And Peter takes him inside and says, "No way, Lord, uh, this isn't gonna happen." And Jesus responds to Peter with the words, "Get behind me, comma Satan." So in other words, he's actually addressing Satan specifically when he's looking at Peter. And so Jesus is in essence telling Peter, Peter, that thought came from the devil and you just shared it. And then right before this, about two paragraphs before that in Matthew 16, Jesus actually asked the disciples, um, who do you say I am? And Peter actually shares with uh, Jesus, well, you're the son of God, you're the Lord. And Jesus said, that's really good, Peter. Uh, it's great that you shared that. And I want you to know that that thought actually came from my father. He gave you that thought, which is remarkable. That's mm -hmm. quite awesome because in Matthew 16, we, can, we see a thought coming from Father God and a thought coming from the adversary. Mm -hmm. Another place where we see the adversary giving somebody a thought is actually in Acts chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 10. And we see Ananias and his wife, Sapphira. Now, during this time, the um, Holy Spirit is moving. Uh, the church has been established. It was established at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And uh, many people within the church were helping each other. So many people may have been selling property and giving the proceeds from the property to the church to help others. And so Ananias and Sapphira must have saw the recognition that these people were getting and they wanted recognition too. So they got the thought, let's sell some of our property. We'll give part of the proceeds to the church and we'll actually say that all of the proceeds, uh, we're giving all of the proceeds to the church. So they, this plan came into their mind. They acted on it. And uh, Peter, I love Peter because he's always putting his foot into his mouth, but he learned along the way. And in this particular instance, we actually see that he, through the Holy Spirit, sees through this plan. And he calls uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira out and asks, asks them each, um, is this all of the money you got for your property? And they say, yes. And he's like, why are you, why are y'all lying to the Holy Spirit? Now, since Peter was telling them that thought came from the devil and you acted upon it, there's consequences for that. And then another one, one last one that's a, a big one is First Chronicles uh, chapter 21, verses one through three. We've heard that David is a man after God's own heart. But within these verses, we actually see in that Satan gave David the idea to count his fighting men. And you would say, well, Billy, what's wrong with that? Um, a king, if he is going to go to battle against another king, another kingdom, shouldn't a king know how big his army is and what his resources is? So he knows how uh, well he's going to stand against this other king and that king's resources. And all of that is very true if you were fighting your own battles. But at this point in Israel's history, God was fighting Israel's battles for Israel. 
And so instead of walking by faith and trusting God to win the battles, the devil gave David this thought, and it was logical, and David acted upon it. And there were consequences for him acting upon this thought instead of walking in faith and trusting God to win the battles for them. God, God held David accountable for his actions. Okay, so those are examples of devils coming, uh, thoughts coming from the adversary. Billy, what about thoughts from God? Well, we just saw in Matthew 16 where thought was given uh, Peter that uh, Jesus was the son of the most high God. And another one that just blows my mind, uh, Denise, is in uh, Luke chapter 1. It's when Mary, uh, and she's pregnant with Jesus, and Mary is six months further along in her pregnancy with John the Baptist. So Mary is going to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. And right when uh, Mary, and, and I'll put it in my southern vernacular, says howdy, um, uh, Elizabeth exclaims, you're the mother of the most high God. Mm -hmm. And uh, she has a lot of things to say about Mary being the mother of Jesus. And even shares that even in hearing your voice, the baby, John the Baptist, in my womb, leapt with joy and mm -hmm. just hearing your voice. God gave Mary and Mary's baby the thought that that's Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. Blows me away. That's awesome. Even a Mary's baby in the womb got mm -hmm. that thought. Yes. and i think you mean elizabeth right elizabeth yes thanks for the mean. correction I totally got it i know exactly what you mean it isn't even a babe a babe in the womb i mean that should be a verse that's used against abortion personally but yes that's just what i thought on that um you know our god transcends our thoughts and our ways he says he his thoughts and ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways. He also says that he will give us understanding of things that we do not know. And so, you know, how, how do we align ourselves with him to receive that revelation from him? Um, you know, something that God has been showing me and I've, I've seen over the years is um, well, one thing is being a parent has helped me see a relationship between a parent and a child. And that gives me just a, a little fraction of the ability to see the Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father with us as children. But also <clears throat> that he wants to give us these good things. He wants to give us understanding, but he is waiting for us to ask and invite him to do that. Uh, he gives us free will. He could, he could do things so differently if our will and our issues weren't in the way, but ultimately he's sovereign and he's going to work his plan out in a big, bigger way than we understand. But even in that, he still gives us free will. So, yes. you know, that's something that I'm trying to do is invite him. I invite you, father. I invite you, son. I invite you, Holy spirit. Um, 
into the situation, into my thoughts, give me new ideas, give me your ideas, um, how to fight this battle. You know, fasting and prayer, that is one thing that I do want to mention with spiritual warfare is, you know, there is a humility when we fast food or something that um, will take time away from time with the Lord in prayer and communion with him, whether it's social media, there's some people with health issues, they can't fast food because of medication or whatever the case, you know, they should seek their doctor and, and say, well, what is it that I could fast? We'll also seek the father. It could be social media that takes us away from time. Yes. With it could be um, something else, you know, um, but he will show you. But in the humility of laying down this time and seeking him, he says in, he, in his word that when we draw near to him, he promises to draw near to us. And so I really believe in fasting and prayer. I, I think it's powerful. And, the, and Jesus said, some things do not come without fasting and prayer. Very true. And in, in, in what you've said, I'm going to go back on a few things that you've said. Not all of our thoughts and our feelings are true. You said we need to believe the truth. And, and I want to share that not all of, our, all of our thoughts and our feelings are true because sometimes I can feel the presence of the Lord with me and very close and it's a wonderful feeling. Sometimes I don't feel him. Actually, it feels very, very distant. Mm. But what is the truth? Right. Psalm 139 gives a, 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 there's a section in there that the God, uh, Father God knew me before I was knitted together in my mother's womb. There's not a place that I can go on the top of the mountain or to the bottom of the valley or even the sea and that he is not there with me yeah. and that he knows me so intimately. He knows the very words that will be on my tongue that I'm going to speak before I speak them. And so whatever my feelings are, what is the truth? Mm -hmm. And the word of God is the truth. And that's a reason why we really need to study the truth and to hold that as the standard of truth. Because if we go off of our thoughts and we go off of our feelings, we're going to be deceived. Yes. And you can, you know, God gave us our feelings. Jesus showed his emotion. He had feelings. He, but our feelings are gauged to, to ask the father, what is triggering this feeling? Or is there something you want to show me about this feeling that I need to know? And so, you know, we can go on the one end where we just shove our feelings away. And, and I know that's not what you're saying, but we have to guard um, living our lives based on feelings. And then also temper that with asking the father, what is that feeling showing me? about something um yes. what is, you know what is what is it that you want to show me about why i'm triggered about this or or whatever the feeling may be um i love that jesus wept i love that he had compassion um and that out of all the things that could have been written 
God the Father wanted us to see him in bodily form in Jesus with compassion and um, hunger, sadness, um, temptation. You know, I know that it says that Jesus was tempted in all things so that he could understand, but he never sinned. So he understands everything. There's nothing that he has not been tempted in that we can't say, help me in this or show me or, you know, provide a way out for me and escape because you say in your word, you will. And give me the strength, Holy Spirit, to take that way out. Absolutely. Think of an iceberg, Denise. You got the water line. And if we're on board a ship and we're looking out and we can see a big piece of ice floating on the surface, a big piece of ice, we could recognize that as being an iceberg. But what we don't see is the even much, much larger part of that iceberg that is below the surface of that water line. We can't see it. Okay, uh, this was shared with me recently. And um, if you have a pen and paper handy, um, I'm gonna give a word description. So if you draw a square and within that square, you draw two lines such that you break that square up into four smaller squares, one top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right. And the top left quadrant, uh, you can write, you see, I see. In the top right part of that square, you can write, I see, you do not see. In the bottom left part of that uh, square, write, you see, I do not see. And in the bottom right part of that square, right, I do not see, you do not see. Mm. So let's think of when I went to therapy, Denise, I went to therapy for five years or so before I transitioned to uh, presenting as a woman. And then approximately even five years after, um, I've been through a lot of therapy. And in going to therapy, I brought my situation. And when I first met my therapist, there were things that I could see and there's things that she could see. And in this block, you would be represented, you see. And then as I got to know her, there were things that I could see and I felt more comfortable sharing with her. But initially, she did not see. And then after she got to know me for a little bit more of a period of time, there may have been things that she could see about me that I couldn't see. So in going to therapy for 10 years, secular therapy, the top right, top left, bottom left part of this block, the therapist could help me with. But you know, there are things just like with that iceberg that was well below the surface, a lot, a lot of stuff that I could not see and that she could not see. When I gave my life to Christ and I gave all of my problems to him, he took me on a long journey. It wasn't a quick one. It was years. 
and he started to show me things about my past and he brought me into a small group study on spiritual warfare and I always wondered what was wrong with me but it was in that small group study that I learned about spiritual warfare and that not all of my thoughts are my thoughts it's only in a relationship with Father God that we can actually dive into that bottom right square because it's only him who can actually see into our subconscious and see us entirely as we are and to reveal things to us to help us heal, to help mm -hmm. us grow. A therapist can help us with the other three sections, but it's going to take God to help us with everything. Mm -hmm. And that, that's dealing with spiritual warfare, because I got to also share many people, if you want to read a supernatural book, even way better than Harry Potter, that is supernaturally written, and has actually been documented to be supernaturally read, written, read the Bible. Billy, how can you say the Bible supernaturally written? Oh, my friend. Oh, uh, let's go to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 21. Okay, and so Peter is writing this book, and in this book, Peter is actually saying that he was a witness to seeing God, seeing Jesus, all of the miracles, seeing them crucified, seeing him rise from the dead, and then here he's actually sharing with us that we have even more of an assurance that Jesus is God than what he saw with signs and wonders. The Bible is about 30% uh, prophetic, 30% prophecies. How do we know that the Bible is authentic? Because there is such a large, large number of prophecies. There's about 300 prophecies just on Jesus's birth, his life, his, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. All of those prophecies were fulfilled, all of them, Jesus being in, in, uh, uh, born in where he was born and the circumstances he was born, the life he led, led uh, how he died. Psalm 22 is actually a picture by King David about Jesus on the cross. And it is very, very accurate of what actually happened. Jesus's resurrection is predicted. Prophecy tells us um and as it's being fulfilled we are given an assurance that this word is from god who resides outside of our our three-dimensional and, and one time dimension that is our assurance is prophecy um there's going to be a time when there's going to be a man that comes on the scene and he's going to do signs and wonders and he's going to fool a lot of people but how can we discern him from the authentic true christ our lord jesus and that's by prophecy you know what is to be fulfilled um what does prophecy say diving into the word diving into the truth washing our mind in the truth that's romans 12 1 and 2 uh, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your night your mind then you can know god's good, pleasing, and perfect will. We actually studied the word. And this is actually the truth. So our feelings 
may go up and down and and we do need to look at our feelings because god tries to tell us things from our feelings and when we're triggered what's going on we need to address that sometimes i thought billy god made a mistake i'm a i'm a, a girl i'm a woman that's a lie and if we go back to genesis it actually said god made man and he made woman we're going back to the word how do we stand and how do we fight in spiritual warfare? We got to actually put the word of God on. And mm -hmm. that's, and, and Denise, I'm going to let you describe this Ephesians 6, the armor of God. Oh. So, you know, I, and I know there may be some, at first, about 23 years ago, I, I thought putting on the armor meant praying the pieces on. I don't think there's a, it's wrong to, to say, Lord, I put on the helmet of salvation, protect my mind, because it's, it's almost like how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, um, you know, the, our father. I mean, that is really, and people say it but it's really a guide and outline, right? On how to, to pray. Um, so later on, I did a study with my church on spiritual armor and it was on Ephesians. Um, and it was more of the reality that, that I understood that putting on the spiritual armor is spending time in the word. Spent, so, you know, I went from praying, um, the armor pieces on to realizing okay there i mean god there's no way to to pray wrong god's not going to be like oh denise you shouldn't be praying that way but it's more of the understanding of how i put it on daily um and what those pieces represent and so like using the word the the sword of the spirit which is the word of god that's how jesus defeated the enemy he, you know, when he was um, led by the spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, um, and Satan came and um, tempted him with these promises, or, you know, it's just ridiculous what he did. But anyway, Jesus used the word. And what's so amazing to me is Jesus is the word. It's so beautiful that he did that for us so that we would know how to defeat the enemy with the word of God. Yes. Um, putting the belt of truth. I pray that often that the belt of truth would be so tightly around my waist. Well, how do I do that? It's by defeating lies. You know, the belt of truth is not just around my waist. Yeah. A belt that holds all the pieces of armor together. That's something else I learned is that uh, a Roman soldier puts the belt on, but before the belt is, is cinched, all the pieces hinge on the belt of truth. You think of that. I mean, that's our conversation right now. All the pieces are yes. hinged to that. Um, the truth only comes from the word of God. So, I mean, that, that's, our, that's our, our, our hinge for everything. Um, our feet to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, I love the other verse that talks about how feet, how beautiful are the feet of those that share the gospel. 
okay, so your feet to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And you think about how we as believers, children of God, have the ministry of reconciliation. There's so much in that peace. God, Jesus said, I am the prince of peace. How beautiful to have that piece of armor. Um, we are to go in Christ. We are to go in peace wherever we walk. We are to leave a sweet aroma for Christ. Um, I'm sure there's more about that. Um, okay. The helmet of salvation. You know, the enemy, it's the battle for our, for our um, mind is where the enemy targets us. You just talked about the lie that you believed as a child, the lie I believed as a child, that I had to do things to be worthy enough to be accepted and have security and significance. I believed I had to be a good girl. I had to, I had to do things for other people at the sacrifice of myself. And if I didn't do those things, people wouldn't appreciate and love me. Okay, so right there, the enemy is, is shooting lies into our mind. So how do we protect our mind? Our mind, we protect it by the truth of the word of God. And, and who we are. Yes, our identity. Yes. Our inheritance. Um, okay, we've got the shield of faith. You know, if anybody's ever played um, laser tag or... Um, been you know in a more serious note been in battle um you know you have that shield to protect you from the fiery darts of the enemy and so i i really do believe also that i've learned that a soldier would stand back to back with another soldier so we as believers can't fight the battle alone um i have a sweet sister that knows what's going on in our family and loves our family and has known our family for um, probably 18 years. She has so burdened by the spiritual attack of our family that she has started coming to my home and praying with me. <clears throat> and it is so encouraging to know that I know many people are praying for my family and for me. But to know that I've got a sister watching my back and we are praying together, there is power in that. There's encouragement. There's, you know, we are defeating the enemy together, hand in hand, as we enter the, the Holy of Holies in the throne room of grace with the Father. You um, know, you are. And even with you two coming together, because faith is actually putting what you believe into action. You believe that prayer is significant and powerful and you're putting it into action. So part of faith is just like having a faith that uh, uh, the chair in your office is going to uh, hold your weight. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't sit in the chair. And then if, by having faith, you actually put that faith in the action and you sit in the chair. Mm -hmm. uh, so with that with your prayer and your sister's prayer in christ uh putting it in action it's faith and just like king david when he was fighting the battles and god was fighting it for him he didn't know how many men he had he was putting his faith 
into action by going out to the battles and trusting God and saying, well, I don't know how many men I have, but God, you got this. Awesome. It is. And then with prayer, you know, another part of, of the armor. Um, Denise, you're a prayer warrior. <laughs> I, I love it. You're teaching me. Oh, my goodness. You know, I was reading in Revelation and the gold bowl that is presented before the father is our prayers. That is mind blowing. Like if I could have an emoji just popping over my head right now, it would be our prayers are so powerful and beautiful and, and just, um, desirable to the father he keeps them and and they are in a beautiful gold bowl yes. as incense a sweet aroma to him so when the enemy says oh you're just you're just talking to yourself you're talking out loud or you know that's silly wasting your time praying or whatever you know you know that that's there's power in that and there's something that i don't remember if i've ever shared with you but there was a time uh, and it was very recent last year where I, I have struggled with suicidal ideations since high school um, and did attempt once in high school. And, but I've always, that has been one of the triggers. One of the lies for me is that, you know, this is too much, you know where you're going. So it would just be better to end it. You'll be with the Lord. Your family will be better off all those things. Right. Well, I am talking to um, a family member and this was in, I was really just in a low place and I'm talking to them and I've never experienced this before where it's like the little cartoon you probably saw as a child, Billy, where you've got the devil on one side and an angel on the I other. I did. I've seen that. Okay. Well, so I'm praying, I'm talking to this person and the thought to my, the thought that comes to my mind is you are all alone. You know, you could just end it now. You could crash your car. None of your children are with you. That could be it. You'd be free. That's the thought. And immediately, so I've got the little devil telling me this lie in my ear. And over here on this side, I heard from I mean, it wasn't like an audible voice. It was, it was pretty close where the thought came to my mind. He knows how powerful your prayers are. And he knows if he takes you out, you will not be praying anymore. And your prayers are valuable. They are powerful. They're important. So that's why he wants to take you out. So that gave me the strength to, to say, that is ridiculous. You know, I'm not going to, do that and now i know why you know and and it was just a beautiful moment where the father knew how broken i was and how weak i was that that thought you know popped into my mind the enemy sent that thought it was not my own thought and then he provided a way of escape by reminding me of truth and revealing to me something that i hadn't seen before and then i walked in that truth so, you know, prayer is a big part of spiritual warfare. I mean, you know, you can suit up and then not spend any time in prayer. I really think the father, when 
I start to pray. Usually I ask the Holy Spirit. I've finally come to a place. It's taken, oh gosh, 20 some years where I'm like, Holy Spirit, I ask him, what do you want me to pray? How can I pray that would be in a line with you so that my prayers will be answered in your will? And so, you know, that is that inviting the Holy Spirit to show you how to pray so that your prayers are aligned in the will of the Father and his will will be accomplished and done. Um, it gives you encouragement in your prayer time. It gives it you, you know. So there is so much to spiritual warfare. It's like, and we're just learning. I mean, I don't know about you, Billy, but it's like, I keep learning and the father knows, okay, you're ready for a little more. I'll give you a little more. I've been in kindergarten for a long time and I'm finally moving out into higher grades, you know? I feel like I'm in first grade. You know, I may have graduated from kindergarten, especially with that last attack, deception, backsliding a little bit devil telling me that I'm no good and then the revelation of who I actually was that I'm a child of the most high God and that just totally changed my mindset and it's like wow I'm a child of God I'm gonna start acting like it amen it really changed my mind and Denise one other thing that has come to my mind that I want to share is that um, in the word it says that God always gives us a way out of temptation Mm -hmm. And for so many people, and for me for the longest of time, it's like, okay, God, you say that you're giving us a way out of the temptation. Where is it? Where is that way out? Wow. Boy, when I'm in the cafeteria line and that, that cheesecake is right there and I'm on a diet or, you know, silly example, but, um, and then I, I kind of sitting there and I look back at the cheesecake and then look again and move closer to it. You know, wait, where is that way out of temptation? And the Bible is like a tapestry. It's like a bunch of different threads. And in studying God's word, you start to see the beauty of the tapestry. God says that there's a way out. God says in, in uh, Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice and to renew our mind. Uh, John 10, 10 says that the adversary comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus had come, past tense, to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. Mm -hmm. um, the way out is actually to instantly take that thought captive when it comes into our mind. Think of it as though our, there's a lot of little planes that are flying around our head and that we are actually at the control tower. And without the control tower actually directing the planes when to land or not to land, mm -hmm. these plans, planes can come in, they can land, they can sit, they can go. Our thoughts would be all over the place. But when a tempting thought comes into our mind, we could instantly compare it to the word. We could say, okay, with that thought, would that action, would doing that actually bring glory to you, God? Would it actually cause me to pull further away from you, God? Holding that thought up to the truth. And if it does not stand up to the tr truth, rejecting it. Mm -hmm. If the thought keeps coming into your mind, Confess it to somebody you can confide in. Uh, share that thought. God gives us a way out. When we're in these battles and we have these thoughts that are coming, uh, consistent, persistent thoughts, mm 
that we just can't get rid of, best thing to do is confess it. Find somebody to talk to about it, uh, to share it, and uh, to share your thoughts, share what's going on in your mind, because often just by doing that removes the power of that thought and comparing it to the truth. So I wanted to share that. That thought just came into my mind and knowing that thoughts can come from the adversary or, or from Father God. Maybe somebody needed to hear that, but I, I wanted to share that, Denise. Mm -hmm. And that's such a pretty, I mean, it's just a perfect picture of, uh, you know, we have how many thoughts? I don't know. There's There's a number that I can't remember. How many thoughts come through our mind in one day? You know, some of them yes. are just a lot of things we do without even thinking, you know, brushing my teeth. I'm not thinking exactly about brushing how to do it. You know, some of them are just autopilot thoughts, you know, or just, you know, mundane tasks that we have to do. Maybe that's a better term. But um, as we're fighting the battle, I have noticed in my life that maybe I overcome that one thought that has been plaguing me. You know, I haven't had the suicidal thoughts for a long time, but I've done a lot of work to um, take it to the father, share that with other people, learning truth through the studies that I'm doing, like the freedom in Christ, going through prayer appointments and things like that. So I haven't struggled with that one, but, you know, another thought may come up. You know, that's the, it's always some, we are in constant, we're in constant, constant work. Now, Jesus, does, Father God does say that he will complete the work that he started in us until the day of Christ Jesus, right? Yes. So we are right. promised that, that he will continue. And, um, you know, our, our outer man is perishing, but our inner man is growing stronger. So I see that. I mean, as age, as time goes on, I have seen that, but um God is faithful to help us walk through these, these struggles, these um, battles of the mind by giving us tools. There's so many things that we can, I mean, I think with the internet, how easy things can be researched. And, I, you know, I've done Zoom classes, my Freedom in Christ Zoom class, it was online. I mean, I didn't have to leave my house. Um if you are seeking the Lord and asking him, he will help you. He will provide a resource, a tool. And the word of God is, it's always, we have so many, I don't know how many Bibles you have, Billy, but I can look. I've got up. quite a few. Yeah. I do. But you know, and that's it. We, I, I definitely, you know, we're talking about spiritual warfare and about it, but uh, somebody may ask, okay, you're talking about it. I'm, I know that I'm in it, but how do I stand in it? Yes. And the, and the great news is that Jesus through his, his, his life, his persecution, his death on the cross and his resurrection and what God has done in and through Jesus Father God has already given us all of the tools, all of the implements we need to stand in the battle. And I say that in the past tense. He has already right. the provisions and everything we need to stand in this battle is there, but God's not going to do it all. We need to do our part. We need to actually procure um, the, the elements, the armor, and the, what the Bible says to pick it up 
and to apply it, to use it, to learn it and to use it. And now a person who is just starting to engage in uh, anything, whether you're just starting to learn how to type or do something, it's going to take some time to start getting uh, uh, doing it better and more proficiently. Because when I start, first started to learn about the provisions, about the armor, um, I the enemy uh, launched a second attack and I started backsliding. But as with anything, I mean, our Father God is always there to cheer for us. He's not going to come and say, ah, oh, Billy, you fell off your bike. That's it. I'm done with you. That's the devil talking. When I fell off my bike, my dad was there saying, Billy, brush off your knees. Yeah, you got a few scrapes. Get back on that bike and get going again. Mm-hmm. That's what our Father in Heaven tells us as well. So when these thoughts about you screwed up again, no, that's from the devil. Our Father mm-hmm. is saying, I love you dearly. Get up. Let's keep going. And that's getting into the word. Everything, all of the provisions that we need to stand in the Bible uh, and the battle is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where can you go to learn more about it? Where I learned about it was in uh, two books, uh, both of them by Neil T. Anderson. The first one was Victory Over the Darkness. Uh, Neil actually wrote a two-part book because I believe I've heard uh, him or others say that if you write a five or 600-page book, people are just going to look at it and, and, and pass over it. So Victory Over the Darkness uh, provides information on the battle and about the provisions we have to stand in the battle. And then the part two of that book is The Bondage Breaker. It's also written by Neil Anderson, and that's the part two of Victory Over the Darkness. Now, those uh, combined, that's five or 600 pages together. If you want a shorter book, uh, then Neil Anderson also wrote the book Restored. And Denise, I believe uh, you can find that online. It's a free PDF book that Freedom in Christ Ministries has offered online for you to download. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, when I went through my freedom appointment, my steps to freedom, where it was just a prayer appointment that you go through after you do your Freedom in Christ study, who is also written by it's also written by Neil Anderson. Um, I actually, so I did one before I went through my study for Steps to Freedom in Christ, Freedom in Christ Ministries, and then I did one after. The first one I did. I just went through the whole restored book. And what's so great about this online resource is that if you do it on your computer, on your phone, it is interactive. So it has little spots that you click. I don't know if you've been on the one online. I have. I love the one online. I went through a big binder that my mentor did with me, my encourager, and we just pretty much... um, we read the whole book and I did exactly, you know, I, I, we kind of followed that and that was our guide. And then there is also a small pamphlet that Neil T. Anderson has um, written that is the steps to freedom. And so they have a teenage version and an adult version. And after I finished my online study, 
we actually went through that little pamphlet. It was very concise. And it's so awesome. I loved it. I've gone through it many times because going through the steps to freedom is not a one and done. It actually, you've shared it before, peeling the onion. We go through it and sometimes we got so much baggage that in trying to drop all of this baggage all at once may be really overwhelming and our loving father is not going to do that to us Mm -hmm. and so i've gone through it before and i'll share with you real quick that uh, it was like the second or third time that i actually got this thought that i had to forgive the devil isn't that a crazy thought the devil played deceived me so much I've spent over $100,000 on all of these crazy surgeries, medicines, and I I was full and deceived for so much that bitterness, the, the root of bitterness is unforgiveness. And I didn't realize it, but I was so bitter against the devil for tricking me and for me going down this long, long, painful, hurtful road that I actually had to forgive him one time when I was going through the steps to freedom. And um, it it said uh, in preparations to going through the steps that in forgiving somebody, you're letting them off of your hook, but by no means are they off God's hook. So I don't need to worry about kicking sand in the devil's eyes or anything like that. I can totally ignore the devil. I can talk to Father God, give my life to him, live for him, and I know that there would be justice and that Father God is going to hold and is holding the devil accountable for everything he does. Yes, and you're the one who's set free. I'm set free. Hallelujah. it's, It's not a one and done. So I love that book. I'm about to go through it again. Yes, you know, um, uh, one of the leaders says they do it every year. They're like, you know, we accumulate a lot of stuff. I mean, just in a week, I have some wounds and hurts. So I totally agree. I think that's probably going to be part of my MO just every year. I'm just going to do it either on my own or find someone to, to lead me through it. Cause you can do it on your own. The, the benefit of having an encourager um, is that they may just be able to sense or see through the Holy Spirit guiding them that maybe there's a little more work that needs to be done in this one area, you know, maybe a little more time in prayer. Yes. But it can be done on your own. Um, It can be. And Neil has actually put that in the very back of the bondage breaker. The steps to freedom is is actually part of the, the book, the bondage breaker. These are great books. I mean, I've, I've listened to them on audiobook but I'm going to go through and read them. I started Victory of the Darkness. I think I've heard you're supposed to start with that one and then you go. Yes. Now, one thing I do want to add before we probably need to wrap things up is that, okay, I talked a lot about prayer and using that as a weapon against the enemy. One of the easiest ways that I have found, because sometimes I can pray the same thing over and over and over and need fresh ideas. Praying the word of God back to the father is powerful. So a lot of times 
I'm reading something, Psalm, Proverbs. I just read Jonah the other day, yesterday, and I was like, ooh, I need to pray Jonah's prayer. Um, so I do that. Um, <clears throat> so I will go through uh, and read a passage, and then I will go through it again, and I will make it a prayer back to the Father. And so I thought... I'm just going to go with the Holy Spirit here. I am going to pray Psalm 1. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to pray it for us and for our listeners. And it's wonderful. That, yeah, and the listeners probably know that have listened to my other episodes that the I do that when I'm going through the guide that um, Laura and her mom wrote. I kind of insert us. So let's go ahead and look at Psalm 1. I'm reading it from ESV. The way of the righteous and the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff, and the wind drives them away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And now I'm going to go through it, and I'm going to include it as a prayer for, um, for myself and for you, Billy, and for our listeners. And so I've done this so much that I still stumble sometimes as I'm praying it back to the father, but he's okay with it. And I just keep going. So I say blessed, heavenly father, blessed is Billy and I and our listeners who walk not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but our delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, we meditate day and night. We are like trees planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and our leaves do not wither, and all that we do we prosper. The wicked are not so, but like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are made righteous because of Jesus. And we claim this, we, we speak it, and we pray it back to you, Father, and ask that you would bless us and that you would give us a heart to delight in your law, that we would delight and hunger for it more than food itself, and that we would meditate on it day and night, and that as we are trees planted by streams of water, that we would yield fruit in its season, not for ourselves, but for your glory and for the good of the church and for the good of us. And our leaves will not uh, wither, but everything that we do will prosper. Father, see to it that we are not like the chaff and that, um, that, that we have hearts that seek after things of you, remove and seek our, seek our hearts and remove anything that is wicked and that would um, keep us from a deeper relationship with you. And we ask it in Jesus name. And so that's kind of how I do it. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's little phrases, sometimes it's sentences, sometimes 
Psalm 1 is a great one. And you can pray this for your prodigal. You can pray it for your family. You can pray it for your spouse, for yourself. Um, there is power in God's word. And he wants to answer these prayers and bring this thing to pass. But what is he waiting for? He's waiting for us to invite him and to ask him and to seek him to do this for us. And he's such a good father. You think about Christmas coming up. He wants to give us good gifts. Um, and he knows the things that we need more than we even do. So we can trust him. Um, so that's just an example of how you would use the word um, in spiritual warfare. That was awesome. That was great. Is there anything else you want to add, Billy, before we wrap up? And, um, and I would love to see if you would close us out in prayer, too. All of us are in the battle every day. And we're in the battle. And um, we can pick up the uh, elements, the, the, the armor, and stand every day. But we got to be aware. Mm -hmm. We got to be aware and to pick it up. It takes action on our part. Prayer, and we have to uh, put faith into action. So yes. that's yes. my final thought. Yes, I agree 100%. And I also think as a mom of prodigals, I think there's compassion as we see and have given examples, Billy, of how we have fallen prey to deceptive thoughts. And so I really feel like, you know, I, I don't know if I've shared but about this, but I was sitting on my back patio and I was looking, um, I just saw something wiggling around and my back patio was on the, down at the bottom and it was a web that a little worm had gotten trapped in and this little worm was alive and it was doing its best to get out of that trap and it couldn't it couldn't and I couldn't help it along I mean I thought well I just thought and the Holy Spirit put this thought into my mind this is exactly where you have been and where your prodigals are and we must have compassion for for them as as we have ask the father you know he has shown us we're all in this battle together so yeah. when i saw that and the next day i went over to look and it wasn't there anymore and i i just thought you know our prodigals have been taken captive by the enemy they need us to stand and fight this battle for them in prayer yes love in truth without compromise um and when they do, when the Lord comes in and when he sees that they're ready and they come um, to the knowledge of how valuable they are and their love, God's love for them and who, especially if they were believers and they've walked away from the faith, um, then we'll be right there with our arms open, just like the father in the prodigal son story. And just like the father did for us, and we can walk hand in hand, continuing um, this journey of faith. So that's kind of my closing statement there is just to have compassion on each other, and especially on our prodigals, and to see them with the eyes of Christ and love. Yes. And yes, we all need that. Mm -hmm. So let me close in prayer. 
Thank you. Most high, holy, glorious God, we give thanks and praise uh, for you actually being a part of this conversation, uh, giving us your thoughts, um, always, always being with us, even if our feelings say otherwise. We know the truth, and we're going to be washed in the truth. So, Father God, thank you for telling us about the battles that we were in, that we we're in a battle. And thank you so, so very, very, very much. And actually, do the work you did, Jesus, mm -hmm. giving us everything that we need to stand in the battles. We were purchased with a price. And we are so thankful. Most high God, the battles rage, and we will continue to pray. We will leave it to you, Holy Spirit, to work on the hearts of others. Prompt us to ask the questions we need to ask, to come alongside the people we need to come alongside, and when to come alongside them. We desire to walk by faith and put that faith in the action into action, most high God. Use us, guide us, live within us, speak through us. And we ask this, and then through you, Lord Jesus, our God, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Billy. What a joy. Just talking about truth and our heavenly father and who we are identity and our inheritance is always a joy and I it is it's been very fun yes thank you for the time that you took and i just pray that you have a wonderful christmas and a happy new year and you too denise thank, thank you. you absolutely Sister, I want to thank you for spending time with Billy and I today as we shared about truth and spiritual warfare. What better way to fight the battles in the heavenly realms than with fasting and prayer? And so I want to invite you to join me January 1st through the 21st on Zoom, 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. for 21 days as we fast and pray and seek the Lord for change and transformation in our lives and in the lives of our prodigals. This will be a time set apart for you and me and fellow sisters with prodigals, some confused with their sexuality and gender and others not, but needing prayer nonetheless. So please seek the Lord in prayer. Ask him and see if he would have you participate with us and if there is a fat, something that he would like for you to fast, food, social media, television, whatever it is that can take time away from your time in prayer and fasting. We will do this together and I promise it's going to be an amazing time where we see the Lord work in marvelous ways. We'll be using Laura and her mom, Francine Perry's book, The Prodigal Prayer Guide, and um, there will be more information to come in the show notes and also in the next episode that will be coming out on Christmas. It is a special, special um, conversation that I had with Laura Perry Smaltz that I know you're not going to want to miss. I'm telling you, it was, it was infused and powerful and it will encourage and give you hope, Mama. And that's 
what I want to give you is a gift of hope, the hope that I was given on that in that conversation with Laura. It was amazing. So just imagine a beautiful gift from the Father straight to you of hope. So join join me next week for that. And I look forward to speaking with you soon and sharing more about what the Lord is doing in my life and in the lives of our brothers and sisters that are coming to know Jesus and being radically transformed. And that's the hope and prayer we have for our prodigals as well. So remember to subscribe. And of course, that we are to live far above our circumstances trusting in the Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and the faith of our children. Until next time, bye.